So we're, we've been talking about who, who are you, understanding your, who you are in Christ, uh, understanding what Christ has accomplished for us is what empowers us to battle sin, uh, to overcome fears, anxiety, depression. Uh, it comes from our understanding of who we are in Christ. It's so important. It's foundational. So you have to build a foundation of understanding what Christ has accomplished for you. So today, I think, you know, I want to, you know, uh, go with the, roll with the tide here. So today, we're going to talk about the Father heart of God and how God is a great Father. God's the best Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, which is another way of saying Daddy, Daddy. New Testament was so radical, beginning with Jesus. When Jesus said, they said to Jesus, uh, would you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray? And Jesus said, well, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. And those little Jewish boys all went, what? Because God, Jesus always referred to his God as his Father. The only time he didn't when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? Because it was so vital. He was so, he was so turning on head, making it not about religion, but about relationship. And so it was so, it was so mind-boggling for them. So the New Testament pushes this, this truth that for us to understand that God is our loving Father. So I'm just going to go through uh, the the. And you know, what do you call it? Acronym for father. Uh, we're going to spell that out. And I'm going to talk about some of the characteristics of a loving father that God demonstrates in us. And then as we, as, as loving fathers, we want to demonstrate that too. So first of all, the F in father stands for faithful. God is faithful. God gives us faithful provision and care. God loves you and he loves being your father. He, he loves you. And I don't, you know, I know I'm his favorite. I don't know if you're his favorite too, but I know I'm one of his favorites. And, uh, and you need to understand that you are one of his favorites. If you don't, you need to understand God, you are one of God's favorites. A lot of you probably think, oh, I'm just such a disappointment to God. I never measure up. I've never been good enough. And that's absolutely true. You do never measure up and you're never good enough. But if you think that God's acceptance of you is based upon your behavior, you're always going to be miserable miserable because God's acceptance of you is based upon what Jesus did for you on the cross. So in understanding that, we stand secure in what Christ has accomplished for us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than these? Good to know you're worth more than a sparrow. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And what are you worried about? Clothing? Observe how the ladies of the field grow. They don't toil, nor do they spend. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? 
you have little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what we will drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Now here's what's, the very best father is evil compared to God. God is a, God is a loving, caring father. He loves you. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So God will never, because he's a faithful God, he will never leave you. He will never abandon you. What does that mean? It means he will never turn his heart away from you. He will, he'll never give up on you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I mean, I, you know, even people who love you will give up on you, right? But God's not going to give up on you. He's not going to ever turn his heart away from you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. And this is what's interesting. So he, he talks about, I'll never leave you nor forsake you in the midst of a conversation about money. <laughs> so he's talking about covetousness. So he says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. So that's why is covetous talked about in relationship with God, not leaving or forsaking? Because covetousness is caused by an orphan spirit that believes it will be abandoned. An orphan spirit never has enough because it doesn't believe that it's loved and it doesn't believe it will be cared for. So it's got to squirrel away and take care of themselves because they don't believe that God's going to take care of them. So God wants us to know. Hey, don't be covetous. Trust me. I'm faithful. He wants to free us from the world system, that orphan spirit that will never have enough, will never be content enough, it'll never be good enough because God's faithful. 2 Timothy 2.1 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you had heard, have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he says, I want you to notice the most important thing that I, to convey truth from one person to the next is to be faithful. It's not, he doesn't say, make sure you find wealthy people to pass on these truths. He doesn't say, find talented, gifted speakers to pass on these truths. He doesn't say, look and try to find the most influential people in the congregation and get them to pass on the truths. No, he says, look for faithful men. If a man is not faithful, it doesn't matter what else he is. If a man's not faithful, then it doesn't matter if he's talented or gifted or influential or wealthy, influential or wealthy. He will undo all of that because he is not faithful. But a man who is faithful 
it will fill in the gaps for what he is not. A man who is faithful, the Lord will (laughs) complete him. God would much rather start with a faithful man and make him what he wants him to be than start with a talented man that's not faithful and have to always be overcoming the obstacle of unfaithfulness in him. To be faithful as a father, to be faithful as a father is to sacrificially commit yourself to God, your wife, and your children. To where as a father, you are putting them before yourselves. That's a faithful man. The A in father stands for attentiveness. God is attentive. You don't have to worry about trying to get God's attention. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered, which for a lot of us is changing rather rapidly. So don't fear, you're more value than many sparrows. I think if Jesus was saying this today, he would, he would say it in a way that we would understand it today. I mean, we understand the hairs from your head falling. That makes sense. It's not that, that that's not good enough. But I think that if today he would say, God, God knows every atom, every molecule. <laughs> he knows what's happening in your DNA. He, he, he knows what's happening in your body, in your life. There's not anything, because he knows the most, if he knows the number of hairs on your head, he, what he's saying is God knows the most minute detail of your life, and he cares about you. He knows the most minute detail, and he cares about you. Matthew 6, 13, not 6, 31, sorry. Don't worry then saying what we eat or what we would drink, what we wear for clothing. The Gentiles eagerly seek these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. And he'll always meet you in prayer. Matthew 6, 6. But when you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. You will never go into prayer and not find God waiting for you. Have you thought about that? There's no time that you could ever say, we could all stop right now and turn our attention in prayer to God, and guess what? Every one of us have his undivided attention. You never, you never ever say, hey, God, 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 hey, hey, God, I'm down here. Now, you may feel that way, but that feeling's not the truth. You know, that's one of the things why we need to know these things, because we have to battle our feelings. Our feelings sometimes deceive us, thinking, well, you know, I prayed, and I don't feel like God heard me. He did hear you. Because he is attentive to us. A good father has to give his children undivided attention. And it's difficult. I think never before have we had such a challenge to be present in the moment with our families, with our children. I think today, uh, two generations ago, uh, a, a kid might have to combat for his father's attention because there was a newspaper to read. Y'all remember those? Anybody remember newspapers? Okay. And then, then this past generation, uh, I think as I grew up with television was coming up and television was the, one of the main things that was, that had our, it still does. I mean, television still has our attention to a very great degree, especially all kinds of 
things that we can see in many different venues. But, but it became the thing that would grab your attention. So you've got to watch the news. You've got to watch this. You know, this is what's happening. We've got to be in touch with that. And so now we have the ubiquitous phone, the phone, which is our connection not just to news, the newspaper, entertainment, Netflix, all kinds of things, sports, all kinds of things. So we just have this challenge, this phone, which is, which is with us always, that it very easily becomes a distraction when, you're, when, you, when you don't need to be looking at your phone, you need to be looking at your kids. And so, you know, you need to really think about there's times that you need to have times when, you're, when you've, you've put your phone down in a way. And it's, it's not in your hand, and it's, you know, because we're, we're, we're like Pavlov's dog. We're just getting so, so conditioned to the little dings and buzzes and whirs. I mean, even when somebody else's phone rings, it bothers you. If somebody, you know, across the store, somebody has your same ringtone, it's like you, wait, what's, what's going on here? So... We're, it's, it's, it's not going to get better. So we're going to we're gonna have to battle. Those of us that value being good fathers, we're going to have to battle giving our children, giving our grandchildren undivided attention because that's the kind of attention God gives us. He gives us undivided attention. He's always available. The T in Father stands for time. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, God could zap you to change you, (laughs) but he doesn't. You know why? Because he loves the journey. God loves being with you in relationship. You see, what what would happen with your children if you solved all your children's problems? If you did all their homework, if you fought all their social battles, what would happen? Well, you would end up hindering their emotional growth and their relational growth. You wouldn't be helping them. You would think you were helping them, but basically what we call that you're being codependent. You're making them more dependent upon you. You're not helping them become independent. You're not helping them mature. You're... You're, you're helping them stay immature because you're solving your problems, their problems for them. In the same way, you think maybe God doesn't solve all of our problems immediately so that we'll grow up, we'll mature, we'll learn to stand on his word, we'll learn to trust him more, we'll learn to know what his Bible, what the Bible says, what his word says to us. So, it's so important that God loves being with you. I mean, God could zap us all and change us and make us all perfect, but he's not going to do that yet. He will eventually. You see, how, how do children spell love? Time. T-I-M-E. To a child, the amount of time that you give them, it is the essential commodity of relationship. You can't have a good relationship without the appropriate amount of time. So here's the thing about time. It's the most valuable commodity you have. It's the most limited commodity you have. 
And so to utilize time correctly, you have to fight. To utilize time correctly, you have to prioritize. You have to set boundaries. You have to learn who you, the people that you need to tell no. You know, here's the thing about the phone today. You know, remember back in the good old days, the phone was hanging on a wall somewhere? And when you walked outside, you didn't hear the phone ring. And nobody lost it. I tried to call you three times and you didn't answer and you don't even have an answering machine I mean like nobody had answering machines you don't even have an answering machine so now if you try to call somebody two or three times and they don't answer it's like ah what's going on are they dead beside the road I mean we actually drove like to California without a phone in our car <laughs> Can you believe it? We were pioneers. We were, we were like settlers, you know. <laughs> yeah, we could only use smoke signals. So the thing about time is it's, everything else is going to eat up your time. It's going to waste your time. People are grabbing at your time. People are trying to take your time. And you just have to fight. You have to fight to set up boundaries. You have to say no to people. You have to, you have to set up things on your calendar that are sacred, that are not going to change. This is, I've set this aside for my family and this is what's going to happen. And you can't be always, you know, oh, well, something's come up. I've got to change it. Something's come up. Oh, there'll always be something come up. You've got to learn to set some hard, fast boundaries. It was hard for me in the ministry because with, with my kids, I didn't do this well enough when my kids were little. I had to learn it. I had to learn that when that that my, my family was important, just as important as all the other families. <laughs> that I didn't have to sacrifice my family to minister to every other family. And we have to learn. You have to learn that. You have to learn. Is your job more important than your family? Well, you have to work and you want to feed your family. And all of that has to play into it. And you, there's times, there are seasons you have to work long overtime and difficult time. And there's things that you have to do at times. You can't get away from them. But you have to work at setting appropriate boundaries so that you will have time with your kids. Because that's how they spell love. H in Father stands for the Father heart of God. God has an amazing heart for you, and he loves you. Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. You may say amen to that. Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as the Lord has he removed our transgressions from us. And, you know, isn't that a, this is a neat analogy? We, have, we know we have a North Pole and we have a South Pole. So he doesn't say he's removed our sins from the, from the North Pole to the South Pole because those are in. He says from the east to the west. Where's the, where's the West Pole at? There isn't one. Where's the, in other words, it's, it's without end. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. We are, he is mindful that we are but dust. First Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Mercy. So God gives us mercy. 
So I catch you stealing a million dollars. So, if I don't turn you into the police, that's mercy. In other words, if I don't make you pay for what you've done, that's mercy. In other words, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is, here's what's amazing about grace. Grace is me giving you the million dollars. Grace is me giving you what you, what you absolutely don't deserve because you tried to steal it. You were a thief in the first place. That's what God's done for us. He hasn't given us what we deserve. He's given us mercy. And beyond that, he didn't give you a million dollars. He gave you life and salvation. He gave his own son. He gave you so much more. He he gave you the inheritance of heaven, the wealth of heaven, the riches of heaven. He has now turned over to you. The one who was a thief against him, a rebel against him. That's what, how great our Heavenly Father is. He's the prodigal God. I, you don't, I love the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, the word prodigal means lavish, extravagant. So the reason we call the prodigal, this, the story of the prodigal son, is that he took, he said to his father, Father, give me my inheritance. Which was to say, in a sense, to his father, I, I wish you were dead. So I could get my inheritance. So his father gave him, gave him his inheritance. And he went to a far country. And the Bible says there he spent the money in lavish living. He wasted the money. That he was prodigal with the money. But when he ran out of money and he ran out of friends, he had a job feeding pigs. And they wouldn't even let him eat what they were feeding the pigs. And in that moment, the Bible says he came to his senses. And he said, in my father's house, my father treats his servants better than this. I'll go back home and I'll say to my father, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just make me a servant. And he began the journey home. But the prodigal God, the prodigal God is lavish with his love. Because the Bible says in the story, Jesus said, when he was a long way off. Now, well, you know what that says? The father was looking for him to return. He was looking. And, you know, he, gets, he saw that figure walking down the road and he said, you know, that looks like my boy. He kept watching. And he said, you know, I'm just, I'm just pretty positive. That's my boy. And he couldn't wait to see. So he pulled up his robe so he could run. And he ran to meet his son. And it was his son. It was the son. And he told the servants, he said, you know, 
Go get the best robe. Go get the best robe. And the son, he's ready. He's come, from the, he's come from the journey. He's ready. He's ready to say to his father, Father, I'm not worthy to be your servant. And he's, he actually says that first part. Father, I'm not worthy. And, and he, the father doesn't even let him finish. He says, he says, no, my son who was lost has come home. He says, kill the fatted calf. Bring the best robe. We're going to have a celebration because my son has come home. That is how God loves you. That is the story of the prodigal God whose love is lavish. He welcomes us back home. You mess up. You make a stupid mistake. Anybody here? Many stupid mistakes? He will in no wise cast you out. He will run to meet you. Throw his arms around you and give you, clothe you with his righteousness. The E in Father stands for expressive love. Matthew 3.16. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus needed to hear affirmation from his father. He needed that because he was, he, he was about to be tempted. He was about to face some of the greatest temptations of his life over the next 40 days. And in preparation for that temptation, he knew that he had the love and approval of his father. Nothing will empower your kids for the battle that they're going to daily face. Your children are daily facing a battle with all kinds of things. Nothing will empower them as expressions of love. They need to hear. They don't just, well, they know because I take care of them and I feed them. Yeah, they need that. They need you to take care of them. They need you to do the, you know, the daily minimum daily requirements but they need to know that they are beloved by you they need to know then you need to express it to them if if god the father needed to express to jesus this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased your children need to hear this is my beloved child you, you are beloved you are treasured you are a blessing I love you. you are, you're a treasure to me. They need to hear that. It empowers them. They need to hear that you're pleased with them. There are seasons in parenting, and I know you all know this, when it seems like you are on their back all the time. Do Pick that up. Stop doing that. Do this. What are you doing that for? Get, what, come over here. That is, stop doing that. Where you're just constantly something all the time, and they're just... And, and it's not like they're doing brilliant stuff, you know. They're like, it's just, and you've got onto them, and you've told them and told them again. And in the midst of, in the midst of when they're teenagers or when they're hardest to love, so there are seasons when your children are hard to love. Right? They get mouthy. They start talking back. 
They're unappreciative. And it's a challenge to you. And in those moments, those are the moments, those are the moments where you need to work really hard in letting them know that you love them. It is in those moments that they, they are struggling and in those moments that you need to, to, fi- you need to find things. It may be a challenge, but you need to find things to compliment and appreciate. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. They are in Father stands for relational authority. God has relational authority over us. Hebrews 12.5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there from whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness." So God lovingly disciplines us. God doesn't bark correction from heaven. He doesn't uh, discipline us because he's tired and frustrated. He doesn't discipline us because uh, he's angry. God disciplines us with the end in mind. He's not just dealing with the moments. I think sometimes as parents, we get caught up in the moment. The frustration of the, anybody get frustrated in the moment? Can your kids, uh, can your kids push the hot buttons? They know what will get you going. They do. They know what works. So we get caught up in the moment. But when, see, God's always disciplining us with the end in mind. That we might share his holiness. God is disciplining us to help develop character within us. Most of the discipline that we experience, so God does discipline us. He loves us. If God loves you, it says, if you're a legitimate child of God, those that he loves, he's going to discipline. So how does God discipline us? Well, most of the time, the way God disciplines us is he lets us reap what we've sown. Lord, he lets us, we, you know, have you learned anything through some of the stupid things you've done? Yeah. And you say, okay. Okay, God, could you help me get out of this? this I, I, I really wish I hadn't done this. And God, God will, will help you. He won't, you know, you can go out, and, you can go out and today and pay for a car that you shouldn't buy. Okay, you can't afford it, and you buy it anyway. And you can repent of it. You still got to make the payments. <laughs> you say, oh, God, I'm sorry. God says, okay. But you know what? I have found that, because I've done stupid stuff like that, but I have found that as I gave it to God, that God helped me get out from under it when I needed to. 
He didn't rescue me. It was a battle, and it was costly. But he did rescue me. Then he came to my aid and helped me, and I learned some valuable lessons. There are valuable lessons. You see, God loves you just the way you are. Anybody glad for that? God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. And that promise is, so that it be, the promise is this, so that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. So this is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, then God says it'll be well with you, because you, know, you want to honor your father and mother, because you know, they brought you into this world, they can take you out. So it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So one of the things that God wants you to honor your parents, so if you have parents that are living, you need to honor them. And if you think of it this way, honor what you can. Forgive what you can't. Because I don't know if you know this, but you're not going to be a perfect parent either. Your parents weren't perfect, and you're not a perfect parent, and you're making some mistakes, right? So remember that, honor what you can, forgive what you need to forgive, and then turn over to God everything else. You know, some people have bad parents. I mean, some people's parents abandoned them. Some people's parents abused them. Some bad things have, parents have done some bad things to kids, right? But it's not good for you to either be held in bondage to the things that have happened in the past. You need to honor what you can honor. Hey, they brought you into this world. They're your parents. They brought you into this world. Honor that. Honor what you can. Honor what they have done the mistakes that they've made, forgive them. Holding on to the mistakes that they've made doesn't hurt them, it hurts you. You know, unforgiveness, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, poison and hoping the other person dies. It doesn't work that way. So we forgive them. We don't forgive them based upon what, that they're perfect or that they apologize correctly. If all forgiveness can only be based on the other person learning how to apologize correctly, nobody ever gets forgiven. You say, well, well they apologize, but I don't think they meant it. Well, really? I mean, you know the motivation of their heart? You, I mean, you don't even know the motivation of your own heart, but yet you're able to discern what their motivation was? We struggle with that. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be imperfect, and it's going to be a struggle. I'm saying for your benefit. Just be selfish about it, okay? Just be selfish about it. For your benefit, you need to forgive them based upon what Christ has done for you so that you can be spiritually healthy and whole. So honor what they've done, forgive the mistakes that they've made, and, if, and then the Bible says there's some things you just have to turn over to God. Leave revenge to God. Revenge is God's business, not yours. 
getting even, paying them back, hurting them back. You've got to give that to God. God says, don't ta- never take your own revenge. Leave it to God. Never seek your own revenge. Leave it to God. Amen. All right. Happy Father's Day. Let's stand up. Thank you for joining with us today. I think there's going to be some, I think they're here. So, they're here. Yay, they're here. Father, we just come to you today. We're so thankful that you're a loving Father. You're an amazing Father. You love us so well that you would declare to us we're beloved. The same thing you would declare to Jesus. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. You declare to us as sons that have been brought into the family through the work of Christ. We've been adopted into the family. Thank you, Lord, for making us beloved children of God, for loving us so well. And Father, because you've been such a great father, we want to be fathers that emulate the fatherhood of God. We want to have the father heart of God. And we want to honor our parents that have gone before, that have paid the price We want to honor the things that we can honor, forgive the things that need to be forgiven, and turn what needs to be turned over to you, over to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you.